Well, good morning, good morning, church. We are so glad that each and every one of you are here today. I want to take just a second and greet um, all of our locations, Spring Creek, uh, Cape Coral. Can you give it up for our Cape Coral location? And also, our, we're the biggest fans of our God Behind Bars crew. So let's give it up for Hardy and Dixon. We love you guys. It's amazing, amazing. Well, happy Mother's Day. I know you've heard it a couple times, but for me personally, happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the house. And I recently read this definition of what a mom is, and it's this. It says, the amazing ability to hear a sneeze through three closed doors in the middle of the night, three bedrooms away, while daddy snores right next to her. That's what a mama is, right? Well, we have a special gift for all of the moms in the house. It's just our way of saying thank you so much uh, for all you do, for celebrating you, for, for all the nurturing and the loving and the guiding that you provide. We really are grateful for you. And, but I also want to pause, and I think I've done this every Mother's Day that I've spoken, and just acknowledge the fact that Mother's Day can also hold uh, a bit of heartache for some of us. Because for, for many different reasons, maybe your mom um, wasn't the picture of that song that we just sung and it was hard for her to express her love for you. Or maybe you're here and you've lost your mom or maybe you've lost a child. And we just want to say to you today that as a church, we see you and we acknowledge that and we're praying for you here in our hearts today. But I also know that there are women joining us today who desperately desire to be a mom and that dream hasn't come true yet. Or maybe your path to motherhood hasn't quite gone the way that you thought it would. And I want you to know today that we see you. And we're praying for you. And I pray not only that God's comfort would be over your heart, but also that there would be a little hope that rises in your heart today. Um, but just know for all the mom hearts that are here and listening in that we are with you. We are grateful for how you nurture, how you care in all the different kinds of ways. So one more time, for all the mom hearts in the house and watching online, can we give it up for the moms? So grateful for you. We love you. We see you. Be sure to grab your gift on the way out. We are in this series called Peace of Mind. And I love the title of this series. I mean, because who doesn't want peace of mind? Sign me up. I want peace of mind. Yet, you can tell by the state of our world that peace of mind eludes many of us. And can I say that's even as Christ followers. In the definition of peace that I found this week, it says this. is that peace is the freedom of the mind from an annoyance, distraction, anxiety, an obsession, etc. A state of tranquility or serenity. And even from this definition, you can see that there are many different things that can fight to steal our peace of mind. Annoyances, distractions, obsessions, anxieties. And then there was that three-letter abbreviation, etc. <laughs> Which means there's lots of things that can steal our peace of mind. But today I want to talk to us about a six-letter word that I feel is one of those etceteras that can steal the freedom of our mind, and it's this, regret. Regret. 
We all know regret, right? It's the, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't gone there. I wish I hadn't, you fill in the blank. Or there's the other side of it, the, the, the other side of the coin. I wish I had done that. I wish I had gone there. I wish I had, you fill in the blank. See, regret comes when we make a mistake, when we fail, when we mess up, when we make a wrong decision. And then what happens is we, we can start to ask ourselves questions. Is it possible to even find peace of mind when we are carrying regret? Does God still love me when I fail? How do I move forward from a, a mistake? Does Jesus still have a plan for me even when I mess up? And since I make a lot of mistakes, I figured I could speak to you on the subject today. My husband said, amen. Because <laughs> we all make mistakes, right? And um, I want to tell you about one of the mistakes I made um, when I was in high school. And this is one of those unintentional mistakes. But I think it kind of is a picture of then what happens when we, when we make a mistake. And so I was a sophomore in high school. And I played basketball. I know I look tall up here on this stage, but I'm really not that tall. Uh, but I'm feisty. I'm scrappy. And so I played basketball, and so I was a sophomore, and I would play on the, you know, the fresh soft team, but then I also would sit on the bench for varsity. And every once in a great while, I'd get called up. So it just happened to be I was sitting in the varsity game. I was sitting at the end of the, the bench and thinking, I'm not going to get called. And all of a sudden, my coach looks down, and he says, hey, Johnson, that was my maiden name, Jen Johnson, I know everybody knew at least one other Jen Johnson. So, Johnson, you're in. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I was not prepared for this. So I run up to the little, you know, desk where you check in, and I tell them I'm going in. And so just so you can really picture this, first of all, it's a, it's a big gym. There's lots of people in the stands, and it's a free throw. If any of you know basketball, free throw, it's kind of like pauses. And so everybody's looking down to see who's coming in the game. So as I get ready to um, check in, we had shooting shirts that were over our uniforms. And so I was obviously in a hurry and flustered. And so I go to take my shooting shirt off. But instead of my shooting shirt, well, I just flashed the crowd. We'll just say that. Okay. So the assistant coach, she grabs me and pulls me down. And I look at my coach on the bench. I go, I'm not going in. And he was like, you're going in. And I was like, I'm not going in. He's like, you're going in. Guess who went in the game? Me. And so I'm like, well, what are you thinking about the whole time? I'm not thinking about basketball. I'm thinking about, I just made a huge blunder, and I will never live this down. I can't go to school tomorrow. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I just can't. What happens? Okay, so what happens when we make a mistake? We're embarrassed, right? We want to hide. If I could have crawled under those bleachers, I would have in a heartbeat. And then you also live distracted when you make mistakes because it's all you can think about. You're like, no, 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 I'm not thinking about basketball. I'm like, please don't give me the ball right now. I don't want anybody to even look at me, right? We're distracted. And the truth is, is that all of us make mistakes and fail every day. Some are small. Some are big. Some are unintentional. <laughs> like my mistake. Others are our decisions, plain and simple. We did it. 
Some are easy to rebound from, right? Oh, made a mistake. Get back up. Let's go. Others, we struggle to see if God could ever forgive or restore. Some are like a little hiccup in life, right? It's annoying, and there's small consequences that maybe follow us. But other failures have lifelong consequences or present challenges that we carry with us for years. So why talk about regret on Mother's Day? Well, a few years back, uh, I was um, sitting down to eat with a friend, and this was a couple, this was right as I had sent both Caden and Connor off to, to college. And so they were both at college, and I was sitting at dinner talking with this friend through tears, I might add, lots of tears, about the regrets that I carried about the things I would have done different when I raised Caden and Connor. I just sat there, and you know, I think the poor waiter was like, oh, well, I'm not going to disturb that, that little table. <laughs> I'm just having a moment there. And so I'm having this moment, just I've been carrying this regret. And my friend, who was Donna Pisani, those who were, you, were at original conference this year, she was a speaker. She's incredibly wise. And she lovingly shared with me how she had felt the same exact way when her kids were moving on to that next stage of life. And not only her, but she had talked to dozens of women, because she's in ministry, who had journeyed and navigated those same feelings. And she said to me, it's kind of a rite of passage for this stage of life you're in. So I kind of took a deep breath, and I was like, okay, so I'm not the only one that wishes I could turn back time. It was freeing for me. It was freeing for me. And this feeling, this feeling that I just talked about, like if only I could have a do-over or I wish I could turn back time, isn't just for moms. It's not just for moms. It's for anybody who has a pulse. Do you have a pulse in here today? We all have those feelings sometimes. Dads, grandpas, siblings, friends, all of us. So how does Jesus want us to respond when we mess up and we end up carrying regret. We're carrying it. You know that the Bible is full, full of mess-ups. You know that. And I love that we are a church where there are lots of new people who are here that are following Jesus. They're new to following Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you're just like, I'm just even checking this place out. I love this because there's a bunch, of pew, a bunch of you here who may have never heard this. That in this book, there's a bunch of lying, murder, adultery, betrayal, anger, broken families, bad parenting decisions, <laughs> insecurity, pride, selfishness, you name it. The mess up is in here. It's in this book. And God used a lot of the people who made these mistakes. And you want to know what this Bible is. I know it's my girly Bible, okay? I'll turn it this way. Now it's my sticker Bible. <laughs> so do you know what this book is? It's really a book of this. People mess up 
And then God chases down his people with his love and his grace. And then the people make more mistakes. And then God chases after them with his love and his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his kindness. That's what this book is. If you read it from front to cover, it's literally just story after story of God's continual love and grace chasing after his people once they've messed up. And we're going to talk about one such story today. We're going to talk about how the Apostle Peter overcame his greatest failure and how we can too. So let's dive into this mess up of biblical proportions, okay? Peter is one of Jesus' closest friends. And when Jesus needed him most, Peter betrayed and disowned Jesus three different times on the night that he was betrayed. This being the night before Jesus is crucified, okay? Before he's executed, before he's killed and hung on a cross to die. See, Peter's mess up was big. You're talking, you've done this to the Son of God. The Son of God. Its mess up was big. And to really pour salt on the wound, the same night that he betrayed Jesus, he had just sat at dinner with the Messiah and said these words found in Luke chapter 22, verse 33. This is Peter, okay? He's sitting at dinner with Jesus, and he says this, But Lord, Peter replied, I am ready to stand with you to the very end, even if it means prison or death. It's like, I'm going to stick with you, Jesus. You know what Peter did? He had the greatest of intentions. Peter had great intentions, and oftentimes we do as well, right? We want to be the good follower of Christ. We want to be a good husband, wife, parent, sibling, son, or daughter. We want to do what's right. We don't want to hurt anyone. We don't want to let people down. We don't want to screw up our life, right? I mean, I think we all have the greatest of attention, intentions, but even with the best of intentions, you guys, we all, we mess up, we sin, we miss the mark, we hurt people, we say things we shouldn't, we do things we wish we wouldn't have, we get caught up in the moment, and we mess up. But I want you to see something here in Scripture that is pretty amazing about the heart of our God. In the verse... In the verse before, you see um, in Luke, the before the one that we just read about how Peter's like, I'm in, Jesus, I'm in, where he says that he actually goes into, um, there's the, the, Jesus is speaking to Peter before he says that, I'm with you. And it's found in verse 32. It says this, this is Jesus speaking, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this, after you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. So I want you to catch this, okay? Before Peter even denies Jesus or even promises to stand with Jesus, Jesus is saying, you'll be restored and here's what your mission will be. I mean, this is amazing, Jesus, being God in the form of man, knew what Peter was going to do. Yet Jesus speaks, listen, Jesus speaks to the post-mess-up Peter. You'll be restored even before he messes up. 
he speaks, and even before he says, I'm not going to mess up, he speaks to the, well, no, you will mess up. He speaks to that. If you've ever wondered what God thinks about failure, it's right here in this story. Jesus has already spoken to your turning back to him, your restoration, and your mission before you ever even messed up. Before you ever even messed up. How absolutely beautiful. Do you see the heart of God towards us? See, before you walked away from Jesus, before you cheated, before you went to that site, before you hurt that friend, before you lied, before you blew up, before you did that one thing, that one thing that even when I started to talk about regret, it's just lodged in your mind. Because we all have it. It's that one thing. Do you know before any of that, his redemptive plan was already at work for you? Do you know that? It was already at work. And I really want you to hang on to this truth. I pray that this is a revelation, an aha moment for you, and that you cling to it, that you speak to your regret knowing that God was already talking, had already spoken to the post-mess-up you before you even messed up. I call it preemptive grace. It's preemptive. He's, his, grace is already pre, his, his grace has already preempted mistakes you'll make next week. It's the way it works. I don't get it. We don't deserve his love and his kindness, but that's the way he works. But does this preemptive grace give us a pass on sin? Absolutely not. But I think when we truly see and understand the heart of God for us, it compels us towards faithfulness to him. We're like, the goodness of God is so incredible. How could I not follow him? See, oftentimes when we fail, we feel guilt, and then we hear this word condemnation, or this, this big word, and it's condemnation. It's kind of a big a Bible word, a heavy word, that condemnation. It really means this, accused and judged. We can walk around when we make a mistake feeling that we're just, we're judged, we're accused. But Romans 8.1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you are in Christ Jesus, when you've made him the leader and the forgiver of your life and you've accepted his forgiveness and grace, we don't walk around accused and judged. We don't walk around that way because we are in Christ, we no longer have to carry the weight of the daily accusations in our mind. We don't have to do it. All of the could have, the would have, the should have, we all have those. So now we know the heart of Jesus towards us. So how do we embrace this life of peace that is free from guilt and shame and regret? Well, let's look at how Peter was able to drop this burden, drop the burden of regret. And this story is found in John chapter 21, and it's connected to the verses that we just wrote, read. But this is after, okay, this is after the mistake, the denial. This is after Jesus has already risen from the dead, but yet Peter has still been carrying around his regret, so this is the story that happens. It's found in John chapter 21. We'll start at verse 1. It says, Later, 
Jesus appeared once again to a group of his disciples by Lake Galilee. It happened one day while Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Jacob, John, and two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they all replied, we'll go with you. So they went out and fished through the night, but caught nothing. So how do we start this journey of dropping the weight of regret? I think the first thing we see from Peter there is that he processed his failure in the context of community. Peter processed his failure in the context of community, in friends, of others. See, when we fall, what do we want to do? We want to hide. We want to pull away. We want to be alone. We want to not see people. And I'm sure Peter had his alone times, okay? I'm sure when he was laying in bed at night, okay, he was kept playing over and over. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. He was doing that. But we see here in the story that he didn't stay alone. He didn't stay alone. He surrounded himself with people who knew him and understood him. And can I give today, as your pastor, a shameless plug for life groups here? See, gaining peace of mind isn't going to come from just listening to a single sermon on a Sunday morning. What we are doing is part of this. It's, it's part of the restoration. It's part of it, but it's not all of it. Really, what we need is somewhere where we can be processing our regrets, our questions, our wins, our hardships amongst other believers who know us, who know you, love you, and have your best interests in mind. Peter went fishing with his life group. That's what he did. His guys were like, I know, dude, you really messed up. Yes, we will go fishing with you. We're in this with you. Do you know that relationships will play a key role in your restoration? Relationships play a key role in your restoration. Peter didn't go fishing alone. He had people that came with him. And it is my prayer that as a church that we would have the same response to failure as the other disciples. Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they all replied, we'll go with you. I love that. See, we don't stand, his friends didn't stand with a finger pointed at Peter being like, I cannot believe you did that. And that's not the role we have as a church either. What we do is we rally around each other in times of failure, heartache, disappointment, when we screw up, when we feel guilty. We don't leave people alone. We go with them. We journey with them. We journey with them. And let's be a we'll go with you body of Christ followers. We'll go with you. We'll go with you. Because here's, this is what I know. Life is messy. Everybody said, amen. Life is messy. So let's be committed to the messy parts of the journey as well as the good-looking parts. Because we all have both. Nudge your neighbor and say, you have both. We've got the messy parts. And then the good-looking parts. So, so here's my challenge to us, Peter. If we are Peter... Place yourself in relationship, even when it's uncomfortable. Even when it's uncomfortable. So the story continues in verse 4. And it says this. So, so right, they're all fishing, they're tired, they haven't caught anything. Well, then, obvious, then it's, 
Jesus is on the shore, and it says this. Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore. I always wonder, did Jesus walk onto the shore, or just, did he just appear? Because that's what he, he was known for. But the disciples didn't realize that it was him. He called out to them, saying, hey, guys, did you catch any fish? Not a thing, they replied. Then Jesus shouted to them, throw your net over the starboard side, and you'll catch some. And so they did as he said. And they caught so many fish, they couldn't even pull in the net. Because this is a story that happened, like the repeat of a story that happened when they first met Jesus. It says, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's like deja vu. It's the Lord. And when Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him. And because he was athletic, I don't know why that detail is in there. But he's athletic. He's good looking, strong, I guess. Like my husband. And, and because he was athletic, what does it say there? He dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. To go to Jesus. He didn't stay put. He didn't let, let guilt keep him stuck. No, 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 no. I can't go. I, I can't. I can't go, I cannot see Jesus right now. I can't do it. He didn't head in the opposite direction. He didn't let regret send him on a long, exhausting swim to the other side of the shore. Do you know this? That further won't make you feel better. Further won't make you feel better. Instead, he dove right in straight to Jesus. Church. Guests, God behind bars, when you fail, don't avoid the very one who can heal and restore. Instead, go to him. Go to him. Go to him. Go to Jesus. You are not far gone. You haven't done something that is so bad that you cannot jump in the water and get to him See, once Peter and eventually the other disciples get to shore and they take care of their catch, Jesus has already prepared for them breakfast. And they all sit down for a meal. I always wonder, I mean, how did Jesus prepare his fish? I'm sure it was pretty amazing, right? And once they finished eating this incredible breakfast, Scripture says that Jesus starts asking some questions. And Jesus asks Peter a form of the following question three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. So he asks this question three times. Simon, Peter, son of John, do you love me? And then Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus would say to him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And after the third time that Scripture says, you know, after the third time Jesus asked this question, Scripture says that Peter's heart was saddened. That's what the Scripture says. It was saddened by being asked that third time because Peter was still carrying the guilt and the shame. I'm sure it was palpable. And so here's this, can you imagine being one of the other disciples? They're like, hey, we just came to come fishing with you. And now there's this awkward exchange. 
Peter denies Jesus three times, and then Jesus asks Peter three times. You can, you can feel the tension. The first time, Jesus, Peter's like, yes, Jesus, I love you. Second time, Peter's like, oh, boy, I know where we're going. Yes, you know I love you. Third time, seems a knife to the heart, right? And if you really, if you really put yourself in this story, you could almost think to yourself, Jesus is being a little heartless here. Like, think about it. Like, he's almost being a little heartless. Like, come on, Jesus. Seriously, man, why are you bringing up Peter's failure to him? You're, you're, you're alive now, Jesus. Peter's like, you know, he, he swam to you. Let's just let it be. Let it be. See, here's the deal with us in this day and age. We live in an age of avoidance. We don't like to bring up our failure we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to bring up the screw-up. We just want to move on. We don't want to sit with it. So why did Jesus bring up Peter's mess-up? Why did he sit with Peter in his failure? Why? I think there's a couple reasons. The first one is this, is that Peter is already thinking about his failure. Peter's already thinking about his failure. It's already lodged in the back of his head, kind of like your failure is lodged in the back of your head. That big thing, you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. See, I think Jesus is just calling out what Peter's already thinking. And like you and me, let's be real honest, nobody knows our mess up better than we do. Peter knows. He's, he's carrying it. And the second thing is this, I think, is that Jesus wants Peter's full restoration. He just doesn't want it to look good. See, Jesus doesn't desire perfection. He doesn't want us to just look good or looking good or playing the part. Okay, I messed up, but now I'm going to just jump back in. No, he's more interested. Do you know this? He's more interested in healing our whole heart. He's interested in our heart. And I think what is happening here in this little exchange between Jesus and Peter is that Jesus, and I had never seen this before. I was prepping this week. I think Jesus is walking Peter through a form of confession of his failure, of his sin, where he absolutely blew it. And you know what Peter doesn't do? He doesn't avoid it. Instead, he goes along with it. He's going, all right, I'm with you, Jesus. What's the, what's the work that's happening right now? I'm going to read you a verse in a second, but this is what, you know, this is an exchange that is happening verbally, but I think what's happening is an exchange is happening spiritually. Because for every time that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus was going, I'm going to exchange that failure for the love I know you have for me. I care about your heart. I'm in this with you. And so this idea of confession, this idea of Jesus sitting with Peter in, in the mess, in the tension of his failure, this is, not, this is not Jesus being like a ha, ha, ha. No, no. Jesus going, I, I want there to be healing. Because here's what scripture talks about confession. It's found in 1 John chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. 
This is what it says. If we claim we have no sin, we never mess up. We are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess, confess, share our sins, get it out, our sins to him, to God, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us, to lift the burden and to cleanse us from all wickedness, all the things we've done. Some versions say, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of the ways that we fall short when we confess. So why is Jesus walking Peter through this confession? He's like, because I want to cleanse you. I want there to be a complete renewal of who you are. I know what you need. See that word cleanse means this. In the original language, it means to free from fault and guilt. Free, to be free from fault and guilt. You know what that sounds like? Peace. Sounds like freedom of the mind. Confession is just this, you guys. It's an acknowledgement of our sins. It's the unpacking of the burden of regret. Let's just say I was carrying on a backpack with all the, all the mistakes, all the regret. What confession is, is is just taking it out. This is what I did. God, this is where I blew it. And that scripture says that when we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us, to bring the peace that we need. So we're going to end. I don't know if I've ever ended this way before. But what I want is, and I just scared all of you. You're like, oh, gosh, what's she going to do? No, it's just, I want us to just have a quiet moment. So if I could just ask everybody, if you can, just to be still right where you're at. I'm just going to give us, I'm going to have, I'm not going to talk for 30 seconds. So what I want us to do is just to have a moment. You and God. And maybe it's a slight whisper under your breath. Maybe it's just talking to him in your mind. But I want you to have a moment of confession. Jesus, this is where I blew it. This is where I messed up. And this is my prayer, is that in this moment, there would be a beautiful exchange, an exchange, a spiritual exchange for the regret that you carry, that heavy burden that you carry, for the forgiveness and the grace and the peace of God over you, that you would understand God's love. You know, Scripture says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to turn around and head back to him. It's his kindness. Jesus wasn't standing on the shore yelling at Peter. He was like, hey, keep fishing. Actually, put, put, your, put your net on the other side. Let's see what happens. No, no, no. It's his kindness. It's his goodness. It's his mercy that draws us. And so I'm just going to be quiet. And even, so just right where you're at, I'm going to take 30 seconds. And you just have your moment with God. Everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes and pretend there's nobody else in here. And you just have a moment.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that your preemptive grace was there before we even made the mistake. And so, God, I thank you for this moment. And I pray that, not in some weird way, God, that there would truly be a spiritual exchange for the heaviness of regret and guilt and shame, and that you would exchange that for your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your forgiveness, God. You would lift that burden. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for this story. We thank you for Peter's story because he reminds us, God, that you have purpose on the other side of our mistakes. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and maybe you've never made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life, you've never made that decision. You, you've Maybe even today you're hearing for the first time that God's love and his mercy and his kindness is here for you today and you couldn't even maybe put a word on what you've been carrying but you've heard today it's it's sin it's missing the mark and today if you want to make Jesus the leader and forgive your life it's just you saying I'm done living that way I'm going to choose to follow Jesus I believe that he was the son of God that he was raised from the dead and and I'm making him the leader of my life today and if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, just slip up a hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but that's just your way of saying, I'm going to make that decision today. Yes, there's hands. And so I want us to just pray together, everybody together, so that those who are making that decision and praying that prayer know that they are not alone, but we're in it with them together. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, today I choose to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. I receive your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. I don't want to live my life my way anymore. Today I choose Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Let's give those who prayed that prayer a huge hand clap.